Welcome to Loving Money, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. This is the place to be if you share the belief that I do, that when you change your relationship to money, you change your relationship to life. And even if you don't have that belief yet, stick around. I'm going to show you just how true that is in our time together. If you're driving in your car, cleaning your house and listening to this podcast, I'm going to show you very clearly that when you change your relationship to money, you change your relationship to life. And I am so happy and grateful that you are here joining me in this experience. You can follow along at Lise Wilcox on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Pinterest, and of course at my website, leesewilcox.com. I hope you'll join me and I'm so excited for what's about to happen for you in your life. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Loving Money, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. This is the place to be if you want to change your relationship to money, change your relationship to life, and finally feel like you can stop playing small. Here's something that may or may not come to you as a wild shocker. Money-related stress is dominating women's mental health. Almost 60% of women stress out about money more than once a week. More than 40% of women are actively worrying about money at least once a day. In 2022, over 40% of women ranked financial wellness as their top priority. That beat out physical, emotional, and spiritual health and wellness versus only 14% of women who would have answered that financial wellness is their top priority just a year before. An article in the Globe and Mail came out not that long ago that said most workers are distracted by financial anxiety. And guess what? It's hurting productivity. Money is one of the greatest stressors in our life, which is another huge motivating factor behind how this podcast came to be. My name is Lise Wilcox. I'm a results-focused strategic business coach, and I help women make more money. Here's the thing. Money is something we made up. It's a construct that helps to govern what we attach meaning to in our society so that we can have this like exchangeable metric of currency and worth. And at the same time, it's completely fake. Think about when you go on vacation. You know, I love going to Mexico. Whenever I come back from Mexico, I will have like a handful of pesos. And when you're in Mexico, the pesos have relevance because you know how many pesos you need to use to, for example, get your tacos or your churros or like pick up an amazing souvenir for your kids, whatever it is. But as soon as you get off the plane and you're back in your own country again, pesos are completely irrelevant. They hold no more meaning because it's not a currency that we use here, right? All of money is completely made up. A few years ago, when we were really in the thick of the pandemic and government started giving out and giving out and giving out, it's not like they had that money in a secret bank account that was locked away somewhere. 
they literally started printing out more money because they needed to. They started going into further amounts of debt. I mean, I think the U.S. extended its debt ceiling past the trillions of dollars mark. Like, can you even conceive of how big a trillion dollars is? Even a trillion sounds like it's made up. So when you really start to think about it, all of money is made up. Top of mind right now is this banking collapse across the U.S., cryptocurrency becoming kind of a scam in the way it was managed, you start to realize that it's just something we made up and we attach meaning to it. But here's the really, like, that's crazy making on its own, that it's something that has, it's completely fake. Like, you know, back in the day, we didn't use to trade bills for goods and services. We would trade clamshells for goods and services. And clamshells then held that measurable meaning of worth If I went into Nordstrom and tried to buy, you know, my favorite lipstick with clamshells, how do you think that would work out for me? It's no longer a relevant currency. The only reason that our bills and like dollars and bills that we use right now, the only reason that has any meaning is because we've like agreed to this contract that this is the unit we will use to exchange goods and services. But still, it's not real. So again, that's already pretty crazy making and kind of mind blowing when you really start to get like really meta and think about it, that we attach so much meaning to something that literally is not real. But what's even crazier and even more mind blowing is the fact that it's such a meaningful construct that we, (laughs) we go to school for like at least 15 years, at least We do post-secondary education, many of us, all with the intention of like, when you get out of this place, it'll prepare you to get a good job and to make a lot of money. People are graduating with $70,000 worth of debt and not, they're not finding entry-level jobs that are paying off that debt by any means. They're not having jobs usually that are commensurate with the amount of debt that they're graduating with. So we invest all of this time in our education to prepare us for work that's supposed to pay us really well. (laughs) And and on top of that, we spend 70% of our waking hours at work. Why? To get money. Like that's, that's pure and simple it. Yes, many of us, present company included, have now created a passion centered and purpose driven business where we're able to make our impact on the world and truly be of impactful service to others while also generating income and wealth. But when you really strip it down to basics, we go to work so we can get paid, period. We invest all of this time and energy in something that is designed to pay us to give us the right lifestyle. And simultaneously, the way that we open up this show is that money is also simultaneously one of our greatest stressors. Do you know why most marriages end, like already 50% of marriages, of of first marriages end in divorce? You know why? Usually because it's sex or money, two of the greatest taboos left in our society. Money is a huge stress on our personal life and our relationship life. Money is one of the greatest sources of anxiety Money is one of the greatest sources of frustration. 
and as I mentioned, has one of the heaviest impacts on our mental health. So how can this all be true? How can money be fake and completely not real and also so incredibly impactful in our own lives? The reality is that money is just an energy. It's a symbol. It's a currency, but it's an energetic currency that we assign a certain value. Money is not a strategic marketing plan. Money is not a measure of your self-worth. Money is not even a measure of your success. You know, we tend to use money as the ultimate metric of success. Like, how well are you doing? I'm doing well this many dollars worth. Um, I'm a really big fan of The Office and there's uh, it's in season two or three. It's a Christmas episode and it's the episode that really launched the office into the stratosphere of public consumption. And, and they're doing Secret Santa. They're in the office and Michael Scott played by Steve Carell, of course, and he's saying how, how gifts are a great way of showing somebody how much you care about them. And he's like, hey, man, I love you this many dollars worth. And that always cracks me up because it's not really supposed to be like that. But at the same time, um, we use that metric so often, even if it's unconscious. If somebody has a lot of money, oh, therefore they must be doing well. If somebody does not have a lot of money, mm, that's too bad. They're not doing that well, right? It's like this inherent reaction we have to gauge and measure someone's success. I am really passionate about closing the gap between our self-worth and our net worth. And what that really means is that when we get really clear on your sense of self and what enough looks and even better feels like for you, we can actually detach net worth as being or detach from your net worth as being the measurement of how well you're doing. We can remove all the attachments to this external definition of success and we can focus so much more on this internal definition of success. Now, because money is an energy or an energetic currency, what is endlessly fascinating to me is that typically when we have a really strong sense of self-worth and we know very clearly and specifically what enough looks like and feels like for us, we tend to make more money. Like We tend to have that secure sense of self the secure foundation of who we are and what we value and what really feels good for us, that that in turn allows us to align with all of these unseen energetic kind of dominoes and kind of tip them over into place. And it tends to have a bigger financial return on our lives. When I'm working with clients, I like to refer to this as the return of impact versus like the return of impact of working with a coach like me versus working uh, for the return on investment. But I digress. Why is this an important distinction that money isn't real and that it's just an energy? Well, most of us tend to have this sense that there's never enough money, that there's like a finite amount of money and it is largely consumed by other people and we will never be able to tap into it. Sometimes that also looks like, ooh. If I get paid what I'm really worth, or if I raise my rates and I charge a higher amount, I'm taking away from somebody else. So there's this fallacy that money is finite and that if I dip into it, I'm actually taking away from somebody else. Or if somebody else dips into it, they're taking it away from me. Now, 
I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole too deep today, but a lot of that is designed by the patriarchy. And that's a story that comes kind of spoon fed to us from generations past that wants to instill a sense of fear and never enoughness. Because when somebody owns the information to tell you that there is not enough and that somebody else is going to take it from you, unless you do the following few things, that makes you kind of a sitting duck to follow whatever that leader wants you to do. And if you do just even like a cursory look at history, it's not even necessarily about the power dynamics, it's about the financial dynamics and how did the people in charge yield their power to control the financial narrative, control the resources that people did or did not have access to, and therefore pit groups of people against one another so that they would constantly be in competition and are therefore distracted by what's actually happening behind the scenes. That's not even a conspiracy theory. That is just fact. Thank you, patriarchy, for your for your epic contributions to our culture and how we see the world through that lens. But I digress again. When we are fed this notion that there isn't enough, it keeps us distracted in constantly being in pursuit of more. When we are raised in a culture that teaches us to consume and to consume and to consume, we are literally being fed this story that we can never have enough and that, you know, I'm sure you know this from your own life, but success is a moving target. Just think of, you know, you have a goal in mind, you reach it. And by the time you reach it, you're like, okay, but that's not really a big deal. Anybody could have met that goal. What I really want to meet is this goal over here. And guess what? You work, you put an action plan in place, you get your intentions clear, you achieve the next goal. And by the time you get there, it feels so anticlimactic that you've already set your sights on a further goal. And it is just, it's, it's never ending. It's just a, a constant sliding scale or a constant moving target of what enough looks like. There is a fellow in Japan named Ken Honda, and he is known as the Zen Millionaire. Ken Honda has written a book called Happy Money. It's fantastic. He's also written, I don't know, I think a hundred other books. Like the guy's a prolific author and each of them do. Like they sell so many copies. And Ken Honda has been a major influence of mine in bringing up the concept of wealth EQ, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But basically looking at the our emotional quotient with respect to money, not just our intelligent quotient. So not just using money as a tool for investments and for creating wealth in that traditional like save or earn, save, invest um, route, but really looking at the emotional aspects of money and how we react to that. But as I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I bring up Ken Honda because he tells this amazing story of interviewing, I don't even remember how many, several, like a a huge concentration of self-made millionaires across the globe. And in his research, what he was looking to find is what do these millionaires have in common? Like, what do they have in common? This is not source, but I'm assuming he was looking at what do they have in common so that he could then turn that into a program of like, okay, if millionaires all possess discipline, financial education, and, you know, savvy business strategy, then he could create programs around solving each of those problems and then build his own brand. But that's just, that's what I would do if I were in that position. So that's why I'm saying that. Anyway, it doesn't even matter what he was looking for or like why he was looking for it. 
The intention was to find out what self-made millionaires, again, across the lens, so like crossing the borders of cultures and upbringing and, and societal norms, what do they have in common? And what he found out was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, first of all, he found out that when he, we, he would ask somebody, when did you first feel like a millionaire? Um, he talked to somebody who like had literally a, a, a million bucks in the bank. <laughs> and, uh, and he asked this guy, so when did you first feel like a millionaire? When did you first feel wealthy? And the answer was, no, I still don't. I still don't feel secure in my wealth. And Ken Honda was like, well, he probably didn't say, but dude, um, but dude, you literally have a million dollars in the bank. Like, why do you not feel wealthy? And the answer was, well, I don't feel wealthy because I, I'm not wealthy. I'm like, it's not like I have a private jet or anything. You know, and he talked to another millionaire who was like, oh, I still don't feel wealthy. Um, yes, I have a private jet, but my jet is so small. I just don't feel rich. So he started to gather this information about what keeps people feeling like they're actually wealthy or not. So what he found to be true when he interviewed 12,000, that's how many, 12,000 self-made millionaires across the globe, this is what they had in common. One, they trusted the people around them. Two, they followed their heart. And three, they focused on relationships. When they focused on connection, trust, and long-term relationships, that's what really elevated their wealth status to the seven-figure mark and beyond. That to me is a fascinating example that there's, yes, there are strategies and yes, there are tools to building wealth, but above all, there is an energetic relationship to wealth and to money. It's not about working hard. It's not an algorithm. It's not you work hard and then you get paid this much. If that were true, every school janitor on the planet would be rolling in it because they work so hard. Construction workers all over the world would be the richest folks on the planet because, wow, they work so hard. Anybody who's ever been in domestic help or, I don't know, let's say mothers, they would be paid so excruciatingly well. We'd all be bazillionaires because, wow, domestic labor, the work of being a mom, both physical, mental, emotional, it's so hard. It's such hard work that if hard work equated to being paid well, we'd all be bazillionaires. And that's usually not the case, particularly for women and especially for women of color. Money is just a construct. When we really think about the philosophy behind it, it's just an energy. And why I use that example of um, the Ken Honda story is that one, it's constantly a sliding scale of what enough looks like for us. There is no, there's no point of arrival. You know, a lot of us, if you've never hit the, the million dollar mark, you're going to think like, wow, when I have a million bucks, I'm going to be really wealthy. If you've never hit the hundred thousand mark, you're probably thinking, ah, when I can just hit that hundred K mark, I'm going to be really wealthy. Then you hit the 100K mark, you're like, I'm going to need at least twice this much because turns out 100K is not really that much money. But that just continues and it keeps going and going. And if you don't have a secure relationship with money, that um, target or that scale will keep on moving and sliding until you can get to this point of never enoughness. 
I also share this example because if those are the three things that so, like more than 10,000 self-made millionaires have across the world that they trusted the people around them, they followed their heart and they focused on relationships stands to reason that just about anybody can become a millionaire, right? Yes, there are all kinds of societal implications and stories and patriarchal and very racist institutions that are holding that from being 100% true, which we're still going to talk about at a later episode. And still, if those are the things you invest in that can really generate a sense of wealth, what they're really doing, being able to build connection, trust, long-term relationships, the ability to follow your heart, what you're really doing is investing in the energy of money. And when we can start to get into that mindset shift where we're focusing on the frequency or the energy of money, as opposed to money, the tool or the concrete thing that we exchange, we're actually setting ourselves up for success. How does that land for you? How does it resonate for you? Does it feel like this is a bell you've never been able to ring before that money's actually completely made up? And money is one of the greatest stressors in our life. Does it resonate for you that, you know, the thing that we are working to attain so much more of or the thing that we're taught we need to work harder for and attain more of just to support the lifestyle that we desire? How does it resonate or ring true for you that it's also one of the greatest stressors in our lives? One of the things that affects our mental health destroys relationships, not only with our marital partner, but with our family Oh my gosh, just, you know, as a sidebar, think about if you've ever lost somebody and they've left behind their estate, think of what that does to families. Like it's money that starts to tear people apart. Frankly, it's not really money's fault. It's not money itself that is tearing people apart. It's our relationship to money and our perceptions thereof or our attachments to it that skew our lens and they skew our actions and patterns of behavior to the degree that it become it can become a huge detriment in our life. And still, we're taught that there will never be enough. We're still taught that we got to fight and fight harder for it so we can just have more of it and only then will we be complete or feel like we're enough. So think about that. And I'd love to know from you, what does that bring up? What stories does that bring up? What wounds does that activate for you? What conversations does it want? Does it like spark you to have with people around you. I'm a person around you. I would love to have this conversation with you. I am obsessed with helping women make more money. And I really, really love to get into the nerdy side of how our psychology and our mindset, but even deeper, how our nervous system is having an effect on our relationship with money and how that relationship with money is what allows us to really thrive instead of feeling like we have to be trapped playing small. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at Lise Wilcox on Instagram at Lise Wilcox, or you can feel free to send me a message at, uh, or via hello at leasewilcox.com. My website is leasewilcox.com. And that's where you can find all the information about working with me privately in one of my three month intensives or, um, even a longer retainer, if you like. It's also the source where I have all the information about my incredible hybrid mastermind, the sunshine club. The Sunshine Club has been designed for women who are already making 100K and want to double that in the next year or so. Uh, it's the place where we heal your relationship to money, double your income, and I give you the permission to finally stop playing small. 
My name is Lise Wilcox. I help women make more money simply by closing the gap between their self-worth and their net worth. And I am 